In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who encourages us to fail. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, when the Old Testament lesson starts off, Oh Lord, you have deceived me! You know that you're in for a good one, right? When it starts off with the guy in the Old Testament lesson saying, God, you're a liar. It's like, whoa. You kind of sit up a little bit. You go, well, let's see where this is going. Right? God, you're a liar. You're a trickster. You deceive me. You're pranking me, man. What's up? You go, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, Jeremiah? And what's happening in the context of this story is that Jeremiah is a prophet. And as a prophet, he is given what appears to be an incontrollable compulsion to speak the word of God. You know, if you read what he says here, it appears that he wants to shut up, but he can't. It's like, well, I don't want to... And there it goes. And that's gotten him in some trouble as of late because he is speaking the word of God to a bunch of people that are going astray from God. And he's saying, you're going to end up regretting this. There's going to be some baddies who come in from Babylon and they're going to take you and they're going to beat you up. And then they're going to take you into their home city, Babylon, which anybody who listens to any amount of reggae music knows is bad. They're going to take you to Babylon, and then they are going to make you into something you don't want to be. Well, this is not a popular opinion in the political world of Judah at the time. And what happens is that there is a temple official, a guy named Pashtur, who says, Um, yeah, about what you're saying, Jeremiah... We've got to take you in, and once we take you in, we are going to treat you like Rambo in the first Rambo, um, first blood movie where he gets sprayed with the fire hose unendingly. That's kind of what's happening to Jeremiah here. He gets beat, he gets flogged, and then after that, they put him in the stocks so that everybody and their brother can come along and, like, kick him, and if they're having a bad day, they can beat him up a little bit, try to make themselves feel better. And so that's maybe why in the midst of this Jeremiah reading, you you have him talking about all of the people who are saying things about him, but that's probably because he's locked up in front of them like this, and he can hear them going, hey, let's kick him in the face. It's a bad day for Jeremiah. It's a day that feels probably like failure. It's a day that feels like something isn't right here. Well, our sermon series this time around is about the Book of Concord. And uh, this part of the Book of Concord that we're talking about today, the small called articles, is a little bit of an experience like Jeremiah had back in the day. See, this 
small, these small called articles come from when the early Lutherans were trying to sort of um, uh, get together a document that would be this sort of consolidating political document that would bring everybody to the table and that they could have a great big sort of Lutheran state in the midst of the Holy Roman Empire, which was mostly Roman Catholic. And so they said, well, we want to consolidate power, which, frankly, is kind of ironic for a bunch of Lutherans that are rebelling against a bunch of consolidated power. But that's what they're trying to do. And so they get together and they try to hammer this thing out and they try to say, okay, well, let's get everybody on the same page. Let's get all of our armies together and let's just make sure that we've got all of the theology stuff together because that's what this is going to be about. We're going to kind of create this this state in which we have the freedom of religion, specifically the freedom to be Lutherans in our religion. Well, they get together, and as many will not find surprising, you get a bunch of Lutherans in the room, and they don't agree on it. They're like, ah, no, 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 I do not agree with that conjunction. And they go at it for weeks, trying to get some kind of an agreement. And it fails. They walk away disheartened. They walk away going, man, I, I thought this was it. thought this was the thing to do. I think we probably have a few of those moments in our lives as well. Where we go into something and we go, well, th- this is ordained by God. I know that this is the thing that I am supposed to do. You ever have one of those moments where you're like, this is the holy one. This is the holy thing that I'm supposed to do. This is supposed to happen. There is no way that God would ever let this not happen. And then you are struck with failure. Because somebody doesn't agree with you or because some aspect of whatever you're doing falls apart or because there's just something strange that happens, but it doesn't come together. And you look at it and you go, God, this was supposed to happen. It seemed like it was divinely ordained. But here I am in the midst of failure. Here I am in the midst of something that didn't work out. And we struggle with what to do with those moments. Because they're tough. Because all of a sudden it seems like God's will and our will aren't coming together. And that can be a very difficult place to be. And we start to cry out to God, God, you deceived me. God, you're pranking me. What, what's going on here? I had this holy desire to go and do this, and now it's falling apart. Well, 
What do I do with that, God? Jesus gets his disciples kind of ready for those moments when he's sending them out on this mission in order to proclaim that the kingdom of God is coming near. And he says, you know, there will be times where even your own relatives turn you into the authorities. There will be times where all sorts of bad things happen to you. But don't worry. Because I'm there. And knowing that Jesus knows Scripture so well, because he kind of is Scripture in a weird way, knowing that Jesus knows that so well, I imagine that what Jesus is talking about here, as he's speaking that in his head, he's got the context of this Jeremiah thing going on. And my favorite line from that Jeremiah passage is when Jeremiah says, God is like a dread warrior. Because it brings me back to that reggae thing I was talking about earlier. I just like, imagine God is like some super beefed up Rastafarian looking guy. And God is. God promises that he's going to stand by us even in the midst of our failures. Which is amazing. You know there's this weird kind of Christian-y thing to say? It's this thing that um, usually somebody says it to me when something has gone wrong. There's some kind of failure. I'm crying out to God, oh Lord, you have deceived me. And somebody well-meaning comes in and says... Well, God meant for that to happen. Which, you know, sometimes that actually may be the case, that, that maybe God is bringing me back to repentance, you know, whatever it is. But usually in the moment, I'm like, God meant for this to, be, to happen? God's a jerk. If God meant for this to happen. I, I think it's probably a little bit more precise. For us to not say God meant for this to happen, but God is working on this. God is this dread warrior who is in the midst of our presence and he's got his tool belt on. And he is constantly walking around in our lives going, oh, you messed up there, let me fix that. He's constantly working with our mistakes. He's constantly working with our sins. And because he's God, the way that he fixes those things is that he makes them, pardon me, makes them better than what we could have made them ourselves. And so looking at it from that 2020 hindsight, it looks like, oh, well, God meant for this to happen because he made something really cool happen with it. But I think what God is actually doing is he's saying, man, you really messed up, but let me fix that. And it's going to be better than when you started. And so if God makes us better than when we started through our failures, doesn't that mean that God is saying, go out and fail? Because through your failures, I'm going to make you better. Which we go... I don't know, God. I kind of like to be a little bit more self-reliant than that. Really, the way that I get better is through failure. Can't I be better by getting an A? And God goes, no, 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 because your A is just going to be terrible compared to the thing that I'm going to do with it. And you go, I don't know that I can believe that, God. It's tough. 
And God goes, no, trust me, I'm a dread warrior, man. (laughs) And that's what he does. He takes our failures and he makes them into something better than what we could ever do. He took those small called articles, those things that were going to consolidate political power in Germany. And he made them into a part, in fact, probably the most concise, which if you read the book of Concord, concise is a good thing. Into the most concise statement of faith that we have in that document. He took Jeremiah's lamentations and he made them into a book that has given people hope throughout centuries and centuries of dealing with the problem of human sin and human failure. And he's taking whatever failure is in your life right now. And making it something better. In fact, he's even promising that that failure that you're not sure that you want to go into right now, that thing that you're like, well, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. I don't really want to do something that I'll fail at, so maybe I'll just sit on my hands. He's urging you. Walk into it. And if you walk into it and you find that it's a failure, rejoice. Because I make people better through failure. And he showed us that by showing us himself. In a way that to the rest of the world looked like a failure. As he showed himself dying upon a and he said this is no failure this is the best thing that I've ever done for humankind so this week may you go out and may you have the courage to fail and in the midst of that failure May you find that God is making you better than what you could ever make yourself by his love and his forgiveness. Amen. Please.